He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward with you as always. And fellas, when we say news happens within a week, it definitely happened this past week. So we're going to try to cover it all. We only have about an hour, so hopefully we can cover all of the crazy news that happened in the world of golf. We're going to start off with Tory Pines last week, move on to SSG, and maybe even talk some Anthony Kim rumors before the break. Then after the break, we're going to give you the full signature event AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am preview as well as live Mayakoba preview. So we got a mega show to get to, but like I said, fellas, let's talk about Tory Pines and the Farmers Insurance Open first. Matthew Pavon is your champion at 13 under par, wins by one shot over Nikolai Hoygaard. And I got to come out and say that I was completely wrong, fellas. Last year when I was progno- or last week, excuse me, when I was prognosticating what I thought might happen this week at Torrey Pines, I said, Torrey always gives us a great leaderboard. Unfortunately, Torrey, without it being an elevated event or a signature event, T-Dub, this leaderboard sucked. And I thought it was one of the more boring events because of the leaderboard. Now the finish was great. Pavon hits a great shot out of the left rough to about eight feet or whatever it was and drains it for birdie to win the golf tournament on 18. Great. Frenchman, you know, wins. Awesome. But I didn't care as a golf fan. And I know I should care, but T-Dub, tell me why I should have cared. It truly was unbelievable when we looked done after the, what was it? I guess it would have been Friday in this sense, after the third round, you look at the leaderboard and you're like, even us golf nerds, like, who the hell are these guys up here? Like, what is going on? Tory Pines used to be known for having all these great leaders because it's such a tough test of golf. It usually brings out the best, especially the best drivers of the ball. And this week, it was almost counter opposite of that. And also, you have Matthew Pavon, who's joined the, the list of the four winners up to this point, Chris Kirk, Grayson Murray, Nick Dunlap, an amateur, and now Matthew Pavon of just four winners who just come out of absolute nowhere. I believe all of them have had more than 100 to 1 odds to win the tournament. So if you had been lucky enough to bet on one of those four up to this point, you have been a rich man, and congratulations. But Woody, even for us golf nerds, prognosticating how these tournaments have been up to this point has been absolutely crazy. But thank God for that 72nd hole, because it was a great finish. Yeah, Pavon make that up earlier in the 70th hole, made a long putt for par. He actually made a putt, good putt for par in the 14th hole as well, and then goes up there and classic late afternoon Poana misses a, a three-footer, pulls the living hell out of it, never has a chance to go in, and then hits a great shot out of the rough on 18. May have had a little bit of controversy with him putting his foot down behind the rough. There are some videos that gone out about that, so that's another topic for another time, but then you had Nikolai Hoygaard who was making a run at it, kind of stalled out on the back nine, had some opportunities, but then hit a great shot in on 18 to give him a chance in two putt, but unfortunately Pavon made a good finish, but really, Woody, besides those last few holes, all in all, pretty much of a snooze fest for the PJ Tour. Well, it was bad, and it, it, the good news is we said we got long shows, so we'll have to cut this short, because it's nothing really to talk about. <laughs> the only thing about this, though, that guys that you got to look at that's kind of funny is 
they finished one, two. Okay. The guys that finished one, two were coming off the DP tour. Those were one of the two of the 10 guys that got their privileges to play the PGA tour. So I was thinking they would be no impact whatsoever on the PGA tour this year. Well, they jump right out of the box and finish one, two. So, yeah, no figure the PGA Tour right now. I, I can't. I don't know about you guys, but I, I can't begin to tell you who's going to win. We've had two guys that had some issues with substance. That I'm pulled for both of them, which is really cool. We've had an amateur, and now we've had a Frenchman. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, the PGA Tour, boy, is it strong. Well, and you get some great stories, but like you're mentioning – not great names up on these leaderboards. And if you're asking, who the hell is Matthew Pavon? He began his career by winning twice on the Alps Tour, which got him access to the Challenge Tour, where he finished second three times to gain a European Tour card. After six years, he claimed his first win at the Spanish Open last year, which earned him one of ten PGA Tour cards, is what he just mentioned. Now, within three starts, he's won on the PGA Tour. It's an absolute awesome story for Matthew Pavon, but it does kind of go to show, number one, that the DP World Tour is a feeder tour like we like we have prognosticated in the past that it was going to become, and number two, that these fields just aren't as good. Like what he said, yes, Grayson Murray and Chris Kirk were awesome stories, and then you had the amateur, that's a historical win, and then you get the Frenchman who wins, but guys... I mean, you have to have names to bring eyeballs to your tournament. And yes, the amateur obviously brought eyeballs to the tournament, Nick Dunlap. But unfortunately for the PGA Tour, this is why we are seeing the SSG come in and have to kind of save the PGA Tour. We'll get to that in a second. But these sponsors cannot be happy. Farmers cannot be happy with the leaderboard that they had this week at their non-signature event. Like we said, some other sponsors upset with their signature events that they're having to pay these big purses. It's just kind of what the PGA Tour has become, two separate tours, the signature events and the non-signature events, T-Dub. Well, we can look at this from multiple different angles. You look at it from the sense of, look at T6, you have Tony Finau. Uh, down in T9, you have Xander Shoffley. T13, you have Max Homa, Hideki Matsuyama, and Will Zalatoris. Let's just say those five guys or four out of those five make one more putt around. All of a sudden, they're up at the top of the leaderboard. We may have a different story. We have a lot more eyeballs on it. So it's kind of a catch-22 when you look at how deep golf is now. It's not the same where we don't have a Tiger Woods who's going to be up in the top five every single week. There were some good players in this field. The problem is, is that you have the fields are so deeper now that guys can, in the sense that we've seen, all 100 to 1 or more long shots have one tournament. So it just proves how deep the game is now. And unfortunately, if you're just a casual golf fan, you turn on uh, what would have been, in this case, Saturday afternoon to watch the golf. And if you don't recognize any of the names, a lot of times you turn off of it, which is unfortunately a sad thing. But whenever you have as deep a field as you do now, it's one of the consequences that you'll get from it, which is why they're trying to go to limited fields. It'll be a little bit better for the casual fan viewership. But as we've seen, you're not going to have all these crazy players come out of everywhere to win whenever you have fields that small. We have our, well, in 2024 would be the first, uh, or I guess the second, because Kapalua is still a, a signature event. But AT&T this week will be a signature event. So we'll see how that pans out. Maybe it would be a little bit different. But yeah, Woody, when it comes to viewership, unfortunately, you're going to have weeks like this if you just have the few, or the how many ever top guys in the field, 
they just miss a few more putts and don't have their best stuff finished down in the around 10th place. It's hard for you to watch when you have a, a two or three horse race as we did Saturday afternoon. What we really got is because the money has gotten so big, you have so many more guys all over the world wanting to play golf. You can make a really good living now playing golf and be the hundredth player in the world. I mean, it's crazy. The money that is now involved in golf, that's why we're having so many great players that they're not going to have a dominant Tiger Woods. I don't see it happening, guys, and I might be wrong, but I don't see a dominant player coming out of all these guys that's going to come and be the next Tiger. I just don't see it. So what you've got then is a lot of really good players, but that kind of waters down the field of, of getting people hyped up to say, wow, do you see this guy? Well, no, I don't even know who that guy is. So I, I'll tell you, this tournament was so funny. Jim Nance wasn't even there. He was in Baltimore. <laughs> That's right. For the <laughs> so AFC championship game. Golf tournament, yeah, everything about this golf tournament just didn't excite me. I'm, I'm ready for Pebble and uh, ready to see what happens there. No doubt about it. So, fellas, let's dive into the news that broke this morning. The SSG, the strategic sports group that we've talked a lot about, comprised of the Fenway Sports Group. You got the Boston Red Sox owner, you got the New York Mets owner, the Falcons owner, Arthur Blank, and you got the Brewers and the Bucks owner. I think the Chicago Cubs owner is in there as well. The SSG announced this morning, and the PGA Tour sent out a memo to its members that. They will be investing $1.5 billion in equity opportunities for, quote, nearly 200 PGA Tour members, $3 billion total investment led by the Fenway Sports Group, the other $1.5 billion not invested in the opportunities for the players. It does have strings attached to it, fellas. So where we are left right now is basically, in my opinion, T-Dub, the SSG is a Band-Aid. It buys the PGA Tour some time with their sponsors who were upset with John Roms of the world leaving the PGA Tour after they were promised that those players would be on the tour or they're upset that they are a signature event or not a signature event, as, as I said earlier. But there is no merger. We continue with the weirdest merger in the history of sports. This isn't a merger because Live is still a separate entity. The PIF is not going to agree to unite at 25% because they now have all of the leverage. They have the players with John Rahm, and they have the money. It's a bad deal unless they start at 25% and increase the percentages over time. So I don't look for the PIF to be involved unless Yasser was assured control and his rules from that framework agreement were agreed upon by the tour. Guys, use common sense. No one gives up money without gaining power. Now, even Rory, who was making guaranteed money through business deals with the nonprofit PGA Tour, is now clamoring for there to be one united world tour and to have these live guys come back with no punishment whatsoever. Why is he doing that? Because that is where the money can be made for both sides. And Rory also sees that certain live players like John Rahm or or Terrell Hatton or whoever you want to mention, he needs those guys to be on his European Ryder Cup team. So then we move forward. It does now seem like 
the government won't sign off on the Saudis having controlling interest. And if that doesn't happen, fellas, that is not bad news for Liv. That is bad news for the PGA Tour because the SSG's $3 billion, yes, it's a lot of money, but that's chump change compared to what the PIF can bring. Live is financially sustainable, and I've said this many times. Live is financially sustainable even without profit for a decade and will continue to poach these stars. So that brings me to the end of this whole thing and the end of how I see it going, and I don't know how you could see it going any other way, but it's inevitable that the PGA Tour will be forced to make a deal to unban these live players without punishment, or live is going to run the PGA Tour dry, poaching a couple stars this year, a couple stars next year. They have the money, then the PGA Tour is going to have to do another $3 billion deal with some SSG group three years down the line. They don't have the money flowing in like Liv does. They don't have the players that want to come play for them like Liv is getting right now with John Roms of the world, Terrell Hattons of the world. If you just keep poaching two stars a year, there's only so many big, big names on the PGA Tour. Fellas, Liv holds all the leverage in this, and the reason why this is not a merger, even if Liv and the PIF do invest 25% into the the pie with SSG and the PGA Tour, it's not a merger because... Yasser is not going to give up the controlling interest of Liv. It's going to still exist as a separate entity. And the PGA Tour, is it, it's not going to be some united tour like Rory is saying unless they give Yasser more power. But look, he's holding out right now. He just got John Rahm and he's saying, what do I need to you know, abide by your guys' rules for? Well, we talked about when we had Colby Powell on with us at the start of the year whenever we talked about this SSG group and the potential money that they would bring in, what it does is it's going to delay this inevitable merger that is going to come because now the PJ Tour does have money and they're going to be able to give it back to their players in equity in this new for-profit entity. So the PJ Tour Enterprises is essentially the for-profit entity that was talked about when we were having the merger and everything was going to come together be kumbaya. This was going to be the end result. And so instead of it being from the Saudis, it is now from the strategic sports group. So the way I look at it is you have $1.5 billion coming into golf right now. I don't see how that could be a bad thing whatsoever. I think it's only going to grow the game. These people are not putting their hard-earned money down just to say screw it and throw it in the wind. They're going to try to make money from it. So I expect this to only grow from here. They're going to hopefully do smart business decisions to not only get viewership in the game of golf, but hopefully grow the game of golf and get more people involved because that will get, at the end of the day, more people watching, attending events, things like that. And there's multiple ways, as we've seen over this last decade with Top Golf and all kinds of different ways that you make it more of a social atmosphere. So I'm sure that you'll see things invested in that sense as well for this to just keep growing more and more. But how I see it, when it actually comes from a, a golf perspective, you're going to have this four, at, over the course of however long until they do have some sort of kumbaya. The PJ Tour Enterprises, in my opinion, the for-profit, will be the main tour, as Rory has talked about, the global tour, as in what Greg Norman envisioned 30 years ago, where all the players will play in how many ever events a year. And then you will have separate PJ Tour events. You will have separate live events. The questions we have now, there are so many of them. Where does, when will the merger happen? Will the Saudis ever do get involved? I think they will 
at some point, and then that'll bring hopefully everyone together and a whole lot of money in the golf, which would be a great thing. Where's the DP World Tour going to stay in all this? Uh, there's been some uh, European players I saw on Twitter who are begging for the DP World Tour to make an agreement with Liv because they think it would be a better deal for them. I think it was Bobby Mack I saw who is clamoring for that now as PJ Tour has this deal. So it'll be interesting to see all the moving parts going forward, Woody. There's so many questions to go. But at the end of the day, $1.5 billion going into the game, got to be a great thing. Well, it's a great thing for the players. That's what you're looking at right now. I think the only way that this SSG is what they're called that could be happy is if the PGA Tour lays lays down a little bit and says, okay, hey, we're going to let John Rahm, we're going to let uh, Taylor Gooch, we're going to we're going to give ten guys off of that live tour, and I'm sure they'll shoot for the Brooks Kepkas and the John Rahms and the Terrell Hattons that just went on board. They'll try to get the best ones they can off live that can come over and play a few of those PGA Tour events. That's the only way I see these guys that put $3 billion up being happy. they got to get those guys because, you know, our buddy Colby Powell said it best at the start of the year. He said, there's no way somebody wants to invest a bunch of money on the PGA Tour if you still don't have the best field. And without those guys playing, even our buddy Rory said, guys, if you win at Pebble Beach this year, will it still be a little bit of a shallow victory? And he said, yes, because I still don't have all the world's best players on the same stage. So there's going to have to be some way for the PGA Tour to lighten up on their, you know, when they said, well, you go over there, you're done. You can't ever come back, yada, yada, yada. What a bunch of bullshit that was, okay? There's no way. So they got to figure a way to get at least, 10 to 15 guys off live whenever they can, those guys come over and play. And that's the only way I see this working. But the bottom line is, Sam, you hit it best. The Saudis are not going to run out of money and they're not going to run out of patience. They're like a buzzard on a tree. And they're, you're laying down there and you're bleeding. And they're just going to give you enough time to bleed out before they come down there and they just peck you apart. Okay, that's exactly what they are. And anybody that doesn't believe that, they're not listening to our podcast. We've not been wrong for the last two years, guys. If you go back, if our listeners go back and listen to what we three have been saying for the last two years, we've been spot on on all of this. And I think we're spot on with what we're saying tonight. No doubt. And you guys hit the nail on the head. I think it was Woody that says, yes, the players are the ones that have won because they got guaranteed money in professional golf, which in my opinion is a great thing. And I think it's great that not just the Rory McIlroys of the world who are doing business deals with the PGA Tour, like the TGL thing, right? That's a business deal with the PGA Tour as, as, a, as a partner. That's how Rory was getting paid guaranteed money. You could look at it that way. But now... Every golfer, if you're worth a crap in the game of golf right now, is getting paid guaranteed money in some way, shape, or fashion. And I think that's a good thing. Just look at the TV viewership from the World Series and then look at the Masters. The Masters blew it out of the water. And so those baseball players are getting guaranteed money. I think it's a good thing that the golfers are now getting guaranteed money as well. But when we talk about bringing both sides back together... Liv is going to hold out, 
and I don't see a world where if they're only invested, you know, in 25% of this pie we're talking about, I don't think that they're just going to let their players go back and play a full PGA Tour schedule. I think that they would still, since Yasser in that situation would not have controlling interest, I think that Liv would still exist as a separate entity. And I think that they would still require the John Roms, the Taylor Gooches, Bryson, or Brooks, all the guys on Liv to play a full Liv schedule. And then on their other off weeks, say, yeah, you can go play on on the PGA Tour and in some of those events. Do you agree with me or disagree with me, T-Dub? I I just don't see them diluting the Liv product when right now they are the strong arm that doesn't have to give way in any in any way. They literally hold all the leverage. There's no reason for them to dilute the live product right now. Well, I keep talking about this whole process. I keep talking about game theory. And all you have to do is, in this sense, because you have all the assets in this case with all the cash, all you have to do is wait it out and keep poaching like they have been. We I was watching Golf Central last night, and they asked Paul McGinley, because like, there's been rumors that the merger was going to happen fairly soon. So they asked, they asked him and said, if there was going to be that, why are they still getting players? Why are they still going to go get a Terrell Hatton? And he's, Paul McGinley said best, it's just like playing chess. You're just trying to get the other pieces from your opponent and get them on your side because it's an, it's an all-out battle right now. It, it truly is. When you got this much money involved, there are a lot, a lot of butting heads. So it, there's a lot that needs to be played out, Woody. But at the end of the day, I do think that Liv will stay its own separate entity. I think the PGA Tour – Will the majority of the good players will play mostly on the what will be the the for profit tour as as I will see it. So the, what has what is now we currently the non elevated events will essentially be what the PGA Tour will be, and all the the truly truly elite events will be on this new global world tour that Greg Norman of all people envisioned thirty years ago. And then, Woody, if that happens, I mean, let's talk about this for a second. You've brought this up before. If that happens where there's some world tour, you know, where live guys come back to play in signature events on the PGA Tour, what do you do about the other guys that are 50 to 70 in the world that would have been in those signature events that live guys are coming back to take spots from? Do you let them play too? I don't know. Where do you draw the line? You, you see, you see you, there's where you go. Yeah, you know, it's a... Uh, it's a really, what's that saying? How they say it's a terrible web we weave. It's a, it is that because with everything you do, it, it becomes what if here now? What do you got to do there? And you, you're right though, Sam. Yasser's not going to say to a guy that he's paid millions of dollars on live. Okay, you don't have to play in Mayakopa. You can go play at Pebble Beach. You know what I mean? That that, yeah, that you, wouldn't you guys happen. Know that, Especially if he if he only owns twenty five percent of it and doesn't. My point is, I guess my point to the listeners out there is, if he invests twenty five percent, but gives up all of his controlling interests on live, what is he gaining? Nothing. So he would have to keep the controlling interest on live. Exactly, and 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 so again, and that point you brought up, or what do you do with these other guys that have already qualified? Then all of a sudden you go, well. Yeah, we got to boot you because we got to let these guys come over from live. So they can't do that. You got to make the field bigger, okay? And then you might have to make the cut. So this is, uh, man, this is why they got these other people. There's a lot of people get paid big money. I'm not that. So good luck trying to figure it out. And here's the other thing that we still got to laugh at. 
you got Jay Monahan doing the work for you. How do you feel about that? <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I, I, holy cow. I mean, we he's proven he can step on himself at will. So this is a this is scary, guys. This is a, this, everybody thinks, oh, great, they're all back together. They're not. They're not back together. In fact, I think they're more screwed up now than when we were. Yeah, I agree with that too. Now, T-Dub, as far as these live players, like Rory wanted to do, like Rory said yesterday, he said, I hope that the live players can come back to the PGA Tour and not suffer any punishment. Say that happens. Well, then the live players are still going to be upset that they are not compensated for their official World Golf ranking points that they missed out on over these past couple of years, considered they weren't punished in the end. And then you're going to have, like we just mentioned with Woody, the players that are getting spots taken away from them by these live guys coming back. So I can't figure out a way for it to work. (laughs) I, I don't know how it's going to work unless you just create a completely new event that does not coincide with the AT&T signature events and the live events. You would have to cut both the signature event schedule and the live schedule in half, essentially. You have to find some way to combine them is what I think would happen. For example, maybe Pebble Beach would be uh, what would be on this new for-profit tour and not just what would be the PGA Tour at that point. But yeah, it, it truly is crazy when you look at everything that, that is going on right now. and, and But what I do think will happen is is that I think that we will we will have all the players playing together again. It's just a matter of how often will that happen. When it comes to world ranking points, now that you have Terrell Hatton and John Rom gone, I don't think there's any way that a year and a half from now that we're still using the OWGR if those players have not if they haven't found some way to get them to play in more events or give live tournaments world ranking points. I feel like that system will be obsolete because it's going to be so wonky and it's going to be more of a joke than it is now. The more that you compound the years of the of the craziness, it's going to make it even that much more. Uh, the spread is going to be a lot higher than it was. So, yeah. Woody, there, there's so many questions here, but like I was saying earlier, the players are, are getting a lot of money, and I think that's going to help grow out the game. It's going to get more people involved because you're going to have young kids that are say they're going to have they're going to be three or four, four players in there and say, damn, I can make that much money playing golf? I'm going to go ahead and try that. So I think it's going to bring on even a newer class of golf within the next two decades or so than we've already seen from the Tiger Effect. Well, you guys are spot on. The Tiger Effect was something like I'd never seen. Okay, I, I, If you'd have told me that could happen, I would have told you you guys were nuts. But when you start looking at guys like, like last year, when we look at Taylor Gooch, made $35 million. Um, what did Victor Alvin make? $33 million. Um this is money we've never seen in golf. I mean, nothing like this. So, T Dub's right. If I'm a if I'm a father and I've got a good player and a son, and he can go out and make this kind of money, and nobody tackles him, there's no concussions. There's you know you got to be in a little better physical condition than you used to be when I played. But other than that, I mean. Where would you send a kid if you had a kid right now? I know where I'd tell him to go. Hey, you go practice the golf course. Well, and, and Woody, to that to that point, real quick, in golf, how how long can you play? You can play up until you're. I mean, Tiger's forty eight and still trying. Obviously, is a league case, but you'll have players in their fifties that can still go out and make money on the PGA Tour. What's the lifespan of an NFL player? Uh, six years at yeah. most. You was an at NBA most. player, maybe a decade if you're maybe. really good. 
so yeah, it, maybe. so you can do it for a lot longer. And whenever you have that kind of money over that long of a time span, over the course, by the time you're 67 years old, you're going to have more money you know what to do with, Sam. No doubt. Amen. I, I mean, you guys are preaching to the choir. If I have a kid, he's definitely going to play golf, hopefully. <laughs> um, but, fellas, back to this SSG. So my point to the listeners is be careful – which information you're taking in. For instance, Dan Rappaport tweeting out, you know, $3 billion investment, $12 billion valuation. Players get $900 million in equity shares will be doled out to 180-ish guys. I heard up to 200 guys. Higher ranked, get more. Obviously, they're doing that to keep the stars around while they're buying time to make these sponsors happy that were pissed off that they were promised every player was gonna that was at the Delaware Players Meeting was going to be on the PGA Tour in 2024. And then Dan Rappaport goes on to say, you know, PIF investments subject to regulatory issues could take a while, basically implying that the PIF wants in on the deal um, but the regulatory issues are going to take a while. That may be true, but what he fails to mention is that even if the PIF is involved, Live is still going to exist as a separate entity going forward in this plan. So, uh, fellas, we have not gotten any closer to a merger, no matter how people want to spin it, is my point, T-Dub. I think you're exactly right. It's like I was saying uh, in our first show, of the year. I think this gives them time for this to, to play out and for them to they just see where things go. This gives the PGA Tour the leverage it needed to say, we don't have to make a deal right now. We can, we got $1.5 billion now. We can please the big names and hopefully that will be enough to not poach the elite, elite players. Already getting John Rom and Terrell Hatton. Those are big names to get. And now not only does that make live better, it makes the PGA Tour worse. So yes, there's there's still a lot going on. If we were close to a merger and everyone playing all the events at the same time, I don't think all these players would have left within the last two months. So, yeah, I think that there's there's a lot to be played out, Woody. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to mind having two really good events. We have a signature event this week and a Live Mayakoba. It's going to be great uh, golf viewership, at least from my perspective. You guys will love this, and so are our listeners. This is so convoluted and so difficult that while you were talking, I put you on mute and I made me a drink because it's killing me. I'm like going, golly, I got to have a drink. It really does. It confuses me and I feel like I understand this closer than anybody. I've been following it closer than anybody. And I'm confused. I'm I'm just telling you that I can go ahead and have my cocktail for the night because you guys made me, you forced me to do it before the show was over. So uh, <laughs> I, I can go for a little longer before it kicks in before you have to start uh, bleeping me out, Sam. I'll be good. <laughs> well, let's talk about some of these other signees for Liv. So let's talk about this year on Liv since we have Liv Mayakoba. We'll do that preview after the break. Uh, live over this offseason, they signed John Rahm, who will play for Legion 13, Tyrrell Hatton, world number 16, I think, when he left. He's been up all the way into the top 10 before on the official world golf ranking. Tyrrell Hatton will play for Legion 13. Adrian Moronk, who was one spot away from making the Ryder Cup team for Team Europe, he's going to play for the Cliques. You got Lucas Herbert playing for Team Ripper. That's Cam Smith's team. And then Caleb Surratt. And that's the guy I want to talk about real quick, fellas. He is a sophomore, was a sophomore at Tennessee. He finished second 
a couple years ago in the U.S. Junior. And looking at his stats here from his college career, he won the SEC championship. He finished second at the Northeast Am. He finished first at the Maui Gym Intercollegiate. He finished, like I said, second at the U.S. Junior a couple summers ago. So this kid is one of those guys that has the potential to be a can't-miss guy. But guys, he's only a sophomore in college, and now all of a sudden, given so much money that it's a deal that he cannot refuse, and basically, he said this earlier on this week, he said, yeah, it's obviously been a whirlwind of events. You go from, I went from playing my final Jones Cup, which was my last amateur event, to then spending time with my girlfriend in Florida, to then receiving a call that afternoon saying it was official, then driving back to Knoxville, Tennessee to move out of my dorm room. This was three weeks ago. And then you go from moving out of your dorm room to competing with the best players in the world and having two of them truly being your daily mentors on the course, talking about John Rahm and and Tyrrell Hatton. And then obviously they added the qualifier from the Asian Tour, Kieran Vincent, fourth guy for Legion 13. But I can't imagine being Caleb Surratt, who, yes, has had success, finished second at the U.S. Junior. That's really hard to do. Or, you know, winning a couple times in college, that's really hard to do. But Liv is taking a chance going not only after a senior in college – who has proven himself like by winning a national championship or something like that. They just see potential in a Caleb Surratt, threw some money at him, and now he's coming to live. That's their way of combating PGA Tour U, T-Dub. And uh, it could work out for him, or it could be the worst thing that ever happened to this kid. I guess we will know, but we don't know right now. And it's kind of the test run for all of this. We've never seen this in the history of golf. Well, whenever live became a thing, we all prognosticated that this was going to happen as a college player it's so enticing to be able to want to do it you have to flip the coin on what you want do you want the guaranteed money and be able to play golf and be able to have a little bit more at least at least less restrictions on how much that you play or do you want to be able to grind on the pj tour and then be able to qualify for the majors because sarad unless he qualifies for one of the opens is not going to be able to play in any of the majors going forward but to put it into perspective on how good this kid was analytically Amongst the amateurs, he was fourth, and in his Wagger ranking, he was tenth. So the only three amateurs analytically better than him were Gordon Sargent of Victor Victor Wimbanyama of golf. You have Nick Dunlap, the guy that just won the PGA Tour, and Michael Thor Bjornsson, who is just another addition to the long list of great Stanford golfers. The kid is an absolute stud. So they didn't just go out and pick the 25th amateur, Woody. They went out and got a top five guy. So it'll be interesting to see how he comes out. We always know it's hard going from collegiate golf on to professional golf. And so, but being on the same team as John Rahm and Terrell Hatton can't hurt the kid. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine having that when you, when you, (laughs) right when you get to be a pro that you're on a teammate of one of those guys, what could you learn from those two? I mean, I'm jealous of the young man. I think it's awesome. But what, again, what this shows, is Yasser. Yasser is a smart businessman. He not only went and sold the John Roms and the Brooks Kepkas and the Terrell Hattons, he shows you point blank. I might not have gotten your Nick Dunlap, and I might not have gotten this one, but I got this one. And let me tell you something. I'm going to go get another one, and it's what you said, Sam. He will not deviate. The PGA Tour is not out of the woods. This guy 
is going to just systematically keep putting these players off out of college, off the PGA, off the DP tour. He's going to hand pick. He he doesn't have to rush. He's no rush. He just goes. I want this guy. Go figure out how to, how much it's going to cost me, and away he goes. So again, I think it's it's really cool that we got all this going on in golf, but it also scares me because man, we're getting more more and more friction and and diversity. We, we're I don't think we're going the right way. We're no, we're not bonding. We're still pretty separated, and I just don't see an end. No, yeah, and I agree. And obviously, Rom got a whole lot of notoriety for going to live. That was a huge gift for Yasser and Liv. Um, Caleb Surratt, obviously, like, what are you saying? Kind of combating what the PGA Tour U is doing, bringing those like Ludwig O'Bear straight to the PGA Tour, or Nick Dunlap, obviously going to the tour now after winning on the PGA Tour. Um, that's kind of their way of combating the young guys, saying, "Hey, you have another option to come to live over here." That was smart as far as that business move. But then a move we mentioned earlier, we haven't necessarily broken down on the show is Tyrrell Hatton, fellas. That is a huge get for Liv, not only because he's the 16th ranked player in the official world golf ranking, he's the 10th ranked player on data golf analytically. He's one of the better putters in the world. And it also gives them not only one Ryder Cup member in John Rahm, but two Ryder Cup members left the PGA Tour to go to live this offseason. Tyrrell Hatton is a very, very underrated guy and is on the short list of best players to not win a major yet. When you look at the list of names who actually draw mega eyeballs, and when I say mega eyeballs, I don't mean like Tiger Woods level, but people who you see him on the leaderboard, and you think, okay, well, this is someone who I actually want to watch. And the amount of players that you that there are and potentially could have got live in this case, Terrell Hatton being one of them, and obviously John Rahm before, to get him, that is massive get. Tenth-ranked player in the league. It's a top-ten player in the world. He, he has some fans because he is a very unique character. He does like to get a little bit angry. He'll make some Instagram reels, and you'll be able to see some of his vulgar language come out, which you'll be interested to see. There's a lot more hot mics on live than there are on the PGA Tour. It'll be interested to see how many cuss words we get out of Terrell Hatton. I'm very interested to see how that goes. Yeah, from an overall perspective, whenever you're trying to get the best pieces from your opponent, Woody, Terrell Hatton, the top 10 player, has to be one of them. They're not getting enough credit. They, they scored huge, in my opinion. Rom, we know. But to, to get Hatton, you know, because we thought it might be Cantley, we thought it might be Shoffley, we thought it might be Finau. But what you did is you went and got one of the best on the DP tour. The the only guy else that you could have pulled away, and they almost got him. I understand is Fleetwood. So again, they are they're cherry picking, and they're doing a really good job right now. And I still think Sam. I think guys, why is Rory all of a sudden changing his tune so fast? He's watching his Ryder Cup team dissipate right in front of his eyes. Okay, uh, because the other guy, Moronk, was his name, Sam? Yeah, Moronk, uh, and he lost three. It could have been three if they didn't choose uh, Nikolai Hoygaard. That's what I'm saying. He easily could have been on that Ryder Cup team. So, you know, Rory's looking at this going, oh, wait a minute, because Roy loves that doggone Ryder Cup. Uh, in fact, the Europeans in general, they, they are a lot more fired up about that Ryder Cup than the Americans ever dreamed of being. Okay, so 
man, is, is he's watching his team disappear. Well, what do you think he's going to say now? Oh, I think we ought to figure out a way for these guys to get to play. <laughs> what a sack of Gee whiz. Are you kidding me? Man, this guy, you know what Rory reminds me of? And I'm sorry, guys, I don't mean to go on Rory again. Have you guys ever had a friend or knew somebody that had one of them yapping dogs, like a chihuahua mm-hmm. or a palmer? You know, they're not a dog. They're, they're really a grown rat. They're an oversized rat, okay? They're not a dog. <laughs> and they just yap. And they yip, 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 yip. And they, you, you want to just take them and kick them across the room if you want to do. That's what Rory reminds me of. He gets, he goes over here and he yip, 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 yip. And then he comes on this side and yip, 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 yip. Just, just stick a sock in your mouth is what I'd like to tell the guy. Shut up. Hey, we agree with Rory now, though. Woody, come on. We we all agree that that's how the most money is going to be made. It's almost like Rory was never worried about morality or anything like that with the Saudis. He was worried about what benefited him, and now his Ryder Cup team's going to live, and now he's all of a sudden fine with it. I understand what I mean. Yep, 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 yep. He's a little Pomeranian nipping at your heels. I still want to kick him across the room. I don't care if he's on our team or not. He had to go 180 degrees to come back to us. Why didn't he just start with us? Hey, I'm with you. I am with you. Fellas, last thing, and this is not a live or a PGA Tour player. I figured I would address it because I do probably have more inside knowledge and it's not that much inside knowledge on this but there's been a lot of talk about Anthony Kim possibly going to live or possibly coming back to the PGA Tour yes it is true that he is planning to make a comeback after he had the thumb injury that if he took 10 years off like he did he would receive career ending injury insurance money now he is over that it's past the timeline and so he's able to come back and either play on sponsors exemptions on the PGA Tour or go to live and play on live I do know for a fact that both live and the PGA Tour have both reached out to Anthony Kim however I would be shocked at this point to hear that Anthony Kim was going to live or the PGA Tour I think it's something that is not necessarily as far along as people might think. And I also do know a couple of those swing videos out there were from a couple years ago. So maybe pump the brakes on Anthony Kim for a little bit. You could see him possibly as an individual maybe later in the year on live, or you might be able to see him on the PGA Tour as a sponsor's invite. Um, But I I mean, obviously not playing this week at Mayakoba. It's not happening anytime soon. I think people heard Anthony Kim's name and started – you know, kicking that rock too far down the road, T Dub. It really is crazy the cult following that Anthony Kim has been able to get with how he obviously we know him from his time at OU. I knew him before he was ever on the PGA tour. Then all of a sudden goes out and just dominates whenever he gets out there, wins well, I think he's only he only won four times, but he just came out guns blazing. And then obviously the eleven birdies that he had at Augusta National, which is just absolutely unheard of. Just real quick, I'll list off the holes that he birdied in this round. He birdied one. He actually parred two. Very interesting. Uh, make 11 birdies and you par, par five. Then he birdied three. He birdied five, six, seven, eight. He bogeyed nine and doubled 10. Then he proceeds to birdie 12, 13, 14, and 15. And then he closes out <laughs> Woody with a birdie on 18. That is just absolutely unbelievable. It's like you you have a joystick, a PlayStation controller, and you're playing Augusta National on the old Tiger Woods game to be able to do Something like that 
was unheard of. And his swing, I absolutely loved his swing. It was very, very beautiful to watch. And to Sam's point, talking about some of those videos being old, I remember one of them that people were sitting around. You could actually see the OU logo in the distance. He was out at Jimmy Austin. And I know that video is at least three or four years old because I remember seeing it a long time ago. So, yes, some of the videos circulating. The majority of his practice recently has been out at Oklahoma City Golf and Country Club, not at Jimmy Austin. But, Woody, I mean, he is one of the most talented, naturally talented players of all time. He does have his fair share of uh, John Daly stories, I guess we would say. They're just not quite as public as John Daly's stories. Um, But people know about the backstory with Anthony Kim. Do you think he could do it? Well, you know, I'll tell you one quick story about Anthony Kim. When I was the director of golf at Gallardia, and my head pro was a guy named Peter Vitale. You know, Peter, because he's got his amateur status back and his his place really great golf in these mid-amateur tournaments. He said, Woody, there's a kid here from OU today named Anthony Kim. Have you heard of him? And I said, nah, I, I, you know, but I don't pay attention to that. And he goes, do me a favor. He's out there hitting balls. Go watch him hit the balls and tell me what you think. And I go, okay. And I said, let's go out there and watch him hit a few. So I think he was hitting like a five by the time I got out there. And I walked up there and introduced myself. And, and he was he was cordial, but he, he, he had him a, a air about him that he thought he was better than most. And most of these really good athletes do. But I said, you know, nice to meet you. And I backed off and takes his first swing. And he rifles this ball out there. And, I mean, I went. Wow. And Peter goes, he kind of looked at me and I just gave him a nod. Then he hit one more and then he hit one more. And I said, well, it was nice to meet you. And I walked away and Peter's like, catches up to me. He goes, well, where are you going? I said, I don't need to see more than that. I said, that sound. (laughs) I said, the first one I thought was a fluke. The second one and then the third one, that's no fluke. I said, that's a sound that nobody does except world-class players. And he goes, you serious? And I go, that kid's going to be good unless he's just a complete moron. Well, he had moronistic type. He could be a moron. In that story, he came into the golf shop, he bought a bunch of stuff, and then wrote us a hot check. Okay? (laughs) So, uh, yeah, Anthony Kim had potential to be just a little bit different than the other guy. The abilities, Sam, were unbelievable. I'm not sure at any phase of any game you play that you can take 10 years off and then come back and be even close to what you were. If he does, more power to him. Then he's more exceptional than I thought he was. Can he come back and play some good golf? Yeah, but do I think Anthony Kim's going to come back and dominate? Oh, Lord, no. No, I really don't. I think he's... I think the PGA Tour needs him more than live, believe it or not, in my opinion, because for a little while they can make him kind of a little bit of a uh, sideshow or a circus. Barnum and Bailey type thing. We got Anthony Kim. Now, if he doesn't go out and perform at any kind of high level, yeah, they'll get a little mileage on it, but not much. If he wants to come back, more power to him. I think he needs to, but I think he – he better get ready because it's not the same tour that he left. It's a whole lot different game. I agree. But just to put it in perspective, in 2008, he got all the way up to sixth in the world. I mean, that's elite, elite golf, what he was playing during that stretch. So, no, I don't think he'll ever get back to that point. Could he get out to a point to where he's a 
a top 50 player in the world again? Yeah, I think so. I think that, do I think that will happen? Probably not, but I think it could happen. I think the odds are halfway decent of that potentially happening. He could come out and play three events and shoot 78, 79, and then we don't see him again. So that, that could happen. But it will be great to see him out again because I believe his last term he played in was 2012. So we're on 12 years now since he played. So to be a fan of Anthony Kim as I was, at least his golf game, a fan of him, to be able to potentially see that again and how he comes up, just be another great story that we have in the long list that we, that we have in this great game of golf. I'm rooting for Anthony Kim. I absolutely loved him back in the day. I hope that he is able to you know, find the best landing spot for him, whether it be on the PGA Tour or live. And I just think that there's something about him that when people think, oh, you know, there's no way anybody could do this, that he would want to prove everybody wrong. And when you're that naturally talented, I'm not betting against the guy. I hope he goes out there and makes a whole lot more money on the PGA Tour or live and has some success. And if anyone could do it, it would be the guy with hands of gold like Anthony Kim has. The guy wouldn't even practice, would step up there, put his breakfast burrito that he got on the way from the club on the way to the golf course down on the first tee and just stripe one right down the middle. He's the most naturally talented golfer maybe of all time up there with like Daly and all the other guys that didn't practice and just had ridiculous natural ability i'm rooting for ak um guys let's go ahead and hit a break here on the 73rd hole podcast after the break we're going to preview the at&t and live mayakoba here on the 73rd hole podcast the official podcast of golf oklahoma if you're not already following the 73rd hole on twitter definitely make sure and go do that at the 73rd hole and hit that follow button on Apple Podcasts as well. We're also on the front page of golfoklahoma.org and you can listen to every single one of our podcasts on the Sports Animal app as well. T-Dub, Woody, and myself, Sam Humphreys, more after the break here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Hey everyone, T-Dub here. I want to take a second to tell you about my good friends at McCray Roofing. Not too long ago, my roof was in desperate need of repair. There was extensive hail damage and I had many leaks that needed attention. Not only did Jeff and his staff build me a new roof, but they walked me through step-by-step of the claims process, which is something that I was very, very concerned about. Everything from the initial inspection of the roof to analyze all the damage to meeting with the insurance adjuster to make sure they were aware of every damaged area, making sure my claim was accurate. Their custom copper creations are truly beautiful and add a great touch to any roof. Not only do they do residential roofs, but they have an elite list of commercial customers, including Gallardia Country Club, Oak Tree National, and Bass Pro Shops. Check out their website at mccrayroofing.com to view some of their work yourself and give them a call at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Back on the other side of the break on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Fellas, we have a signature event this week on the PGA Tour, the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am at Spyglass, and yes, at Pebble Beach. Your top five favorites for this week are Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy, Xander Shoffley, Victor Hovland, and Colin Morikawa, and then... You could go on down the list here. You could do top 10 and say 
Max Homa, Patrick Cantlay, Justin Thomas, Tommy Fleetwood, Sung J M, Ludwig Bear, Jordan Speed. All of the big names on the PGA Tour are playing this week at Pebble T-Dub. What are your thoughts? Do you think the winner comes out of the top five that I said? I think it's kind of an interesting question this week. Scheffler, McElroy, Shoffley, Hovland, Morikawa. Is the winner in that group? Well, my one and done pick is just outside of that group and has good course history. So I'm going to say that is just a little bit outside of the top five. One thing that's interesting is that with it being an elevated bit this year, first thing I want to say is it's great to see all the great players, or at least all the great PJ Tour players, playing at Pebble Beach because notoriously the last few years that field has been horrible. It just seems to get worse and worse every year. The pros don't want to go out and play with amateurs for four rounds. It's just it's dragging, and the, the rounds take forever, and there's a, a lot more to it than just playing golf. So it's great to see that the great players are now back on one of the most historic golf courses in the world, so that is a great thing to see. And with that happening, what they've done is now they're going to play Pebble Beach on the final two days, Saturday and Sunday. And they what they did was they eliminated Monterey from the equation. So now instead of them playing three courses, they will only play two. They'll play Pebble and Spyglass. Spyglass being a tremendous golf course does not get enough credit. Uh, Woody, we were kind of talking about before, and I'll let you dive into it here in a second, uh, which of the two courses is better. But So what that will do is that will make the course history, when you look back on it, more prevalent for the guys that play Pebble. Because back in the past, you'd only play two rounds on Pebble. Now you will play three. So I look for guys that have played a little bit more history on on playing Pebble Beach and then also some California boys, Woody, because it looks like we're going to have some severe weather. It looks like there's going to be some rain and wind on a lot of days. So potentially may have a Monday finish in there, depending on how things play out. So look at it from that perspective. I look for more course history on Pebble Beach and then uh, California boys uh, to do a little bit. Well, you may also throw the Europeans in there just because uh, they know how to deal with it. You know, weather is what's so critical out there for this event. I I got to play in the ATT Pebble Beach tournament a number of years when I was on tour. And it all depended on your draw. When you got to play at Pebble compared to Spyglass, Spyglass is tucked in the trees. It's protected. Pebble is out in the elements. And when it gets ugly at Pebble, it can get real ugly. The seventh hole there is a part three, guys, that is normally a sandwich. It's about maybe a 100-yard shot is all it is. I can remember one year at that golf tournament, I hit a three iron at that green. And that's no exaggeration. It was so windy, the blimp had to go home. The blimp was just blowing up in Sausalito. <laughs> it, it was gone, okay? So if you get caught out there on Pebble in the wrong day, it can make a big difference. So being that they only have to play Spyglass one day, but let's say you're on Spyglass on a really windy day and you're protected by the trees, you can put up a decent number. If you're on Pebble that same day, there's no telling what you might shoot. So it's going to be interesting to watch how that goes about. You know, the, the Thursday, Friday is going to mean a lot because that's when they switch back and forth from Pebble and Spyglass. I, I, I'm going to be interested to see this week, guy, though. This is the signature event. These are all the superstars. What's our leaderboard going to look like on Sunday? Or if uh, T-Dub drives, the weather gets ugly on Monday, okay? We need a um, some kind of really unbelievable golf tournament this week. We just haven't had one yet. We need some kind of fireworks this week for the PGA Tour. 
No doubt, especially as far as the big names go. Woody, the one thing I wanted to get you to do before I kind of dive into the field of this event is some people might be listening to this show that want to bet on this golf tournament. They know all about Pebble Beach and know all the holes, but they might not know quite as much about Spyglass. Tell me what type of player really you know, succeeds at Spyglass. What, what are the... Uh, players looking at off the tee what is it like around the greens tell us about what spyglass is like the course that is obviously the lesser known of the two what's sad sam as i was saying to t-dub he was asking me which one do you think is better i hate to say it i mean jack nicholas would slap me upside the head but i'd rather play spyglass than pebble spyglass to me is a unbelievably great great golf course it's the longest golf course you'll ever play in your life. I don't know what the yardage is. I want to say it's only about 7,000. Now, they might, have, they might have backed it up a little bit. But you get absolutely no roll. Back in the days, guys, when we could only carry a driver 250 yards, this golf course was unbelievably hard. I mean hard. And it didn't matter. Wherever that ball flew, that's where it stayed. Even without rain, it's the soggiest golf course I'd ever been on in my life. But you didn't have casual water, nothing like that. It was just, the golf course was just so long, and it just kept coming at you and coming at you. It is a hard golf course, guys. I mean, really hard. You must drive the ball well. The par threes are are diabolical. Uh, They've got got just a bunch of par fours that are just forever. It's kind of like, Torrey Pines, Sam, what you said last week. It just keeps coming at you. You hit this drive out there, and you back in my days, you had a four iron in your hand. You're going, gee, many Christmas. When do I get to hit a wedge? You don't. Not at Spyglass. So Spyglass always brings out the elite best players. Watch what the McElroy speed, all the Justin Thomas, watch what they shoot at Spyglass. If they can get it under par, if they can shoot, you know, 68, 69, 67, that is a phenomenal round at Spyglass. A lot of 70s, 71, 72s is a great round at Spyglass. You will not see. I, I, I will be shocked if somebody goes out at Spyglass and shoots 62, 63, 64. That doesn't happen. Not at Spyglass. A much more difficult golf course than Pebble Beach. Much more. No doubt about it. And as far as the weather goes, the weather's a little bit better as far as wind. As far as wind on Thursday and Friday, the wind isn't quite as high. But on the weekend, it the wind is gusting even up to 20, I think, on Sunday. T-Dub, as far as this field goes, it's interesting because, yes, you have all of these great names, but Scheffler has never played in this tournament. Rory's only played it once or twice. Shoffley, I don't think, has played in it. He might have played in it one time. Hovland's only played in this tournament a couple times. Now, he did win the USAM at Pebble Beach. Um, Morikawa from California has never played in this golf tournament. JT played in it once and missed the cut. There are a bunch of big names who have never even played in this golf tournament. Uh, how are our listeners supposed to you know, make their picks for the week? I think that you have to look at guys that have played the Pebble Beach course well. As I was mentioning earlier, the fact that you're going to have three rounds in that course compared to two, I think is something you have to look at. I think you need to look at 
players who, when it comes to the weekend, I need to look for players who are potentially better and win, as I mentioned earlier. European players may go with some Texas boys because they know how to combat those conditions. So you may look in that way. So, yeah, it's, it's a little bit different prognostication this year than last. Also, just the fact that you have all so many good players playing this tournament. Before last year, you'd be lucky, like Spieth always played this tournament. You had a few other big names that played every once in a while. But generally, once you got past five or ten guys, it was – hard slim pickings to find someone that you think will win the tournament. And then you got more invested in the amateurs coming down the stretch sometimes than you did who's actually going to win the pro event, which I guess maybe when the tournament was founded, that may have been something that they look forward to. But now when you got the, the big names playing, no amateurs on the weekend, we're going to actually have the be- majority of the best players in the game of golf playing on one of the top five golf courses, at least in this country, probably the world. I think that it's going to be hopefully great viewership and hopefully, Woody, some guy doesn't go out and just win by five or six shots, and we can have five or six of these guys coming down the stretch in a, a very combative tournament. Well, I think he will. I, I don't think somebody's going to run away, T-Dub. I don't think that's going to happen this week. It, when you look at Pebble Beach, I always look at Pebble Beach when they have opens, not so much the AT&T. And that will show you. You remember back when Gil Morgan was the first one to ever get in double digits in the U.S. Open, and then the wind kicked up. And that that just went down the chute. Andy Dillard, uh, that's a name from the past, I know, but that's Oklahoma State guys. Shout out to Bibb. Bibb. Shout out to Bibb. 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 Bibb fired him low 29. You know, he buried for six holes. So uh, Pebble Beach is gettable when the weather's good. And that's why I was never I was never all that big a Pebble Beach fan because I thought you could take it apart when the wind wasn't blowing. But when the wind comes up, even 20 miles an hour, that's going to that's gonna make a big difference in how that golf course plays because what happens at Pebble is you start off slow, and then by the time you get out to 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, the brutal par 3, 13 is a pretty tough hole, 14, the par 5, the green is impossible, absolutely impossible. You get a little break on 15, 16, then you get out there on 17, and that wind's howling again, and then you got 18. So Pebble Beach is one of those kinds of golf courses that if you get it on the right day, when you finish, you go, well, that wasn't all that. You get it on the wrong day, and you might as well have gone to dinner and ate nails. You'd have been, you'd had more fun eating nails than you would have played in that golf course. <laughs> so I, I, look, I look really forward to, because you know why? Because I get to sit at home like a sofa. I hope it blows, and I hope it's harder than hell. I hope they get what I got one year out there where I couldn't even stand up. Let's <laughs> see what they do. I, that's what I want. Don't give me docile. Don't give me Palm Springs where it's 75 degrees, not a breath of rain, you know, no wind, and the greens are soft. Whoop, whoop, I shot 29 under. You're a pro. You ought to shoot under par. Well, he won, he won the pro. He won the pro. <laughs> he was an amateur. I'm sorry. He was a 2,900 <laughs> Okay, the other guy that shot 28 under was a pro. Yeah, he was. He, he's a pro now, though, Sam. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's good stuff. Uh, T-Dub, so I think I have my one-and-done pick for the week, and it's a pretty big name. I know there's a bunch of big names in this event. Like I mentioned, Scheffler, Rory, Shoffley. 
Hovland, Morikawa, Max Homa, Patrick Cantlay, Justin Thomas has even been playing some really good golf. But those guys don't have the prior course history that I really like when I'm picking my one and done. And to me, I look at recent form and prior course history. And the guy that really pops out this week that I feel like can win the golf tournament is Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth, last two times he's teed it up, he finished third at the Century. He finished sixth at the Hero World Challenge. And he is one of the big names that did play in this tournament every single year. Last year, he didn't play very well. But the year before that, in 22, he finished second at this tournament. He finished tied for third at the AT&T Pebble Beach in 21. He finished top 10, tied for ninth in 2020. And he won it back in 2017. Not to mention his seventh and his fourth in 15 and 14. Uh, T-Dub, I really like Jordan Spieth not just for my one and done, but to win the golf tournament this week because then who does this weather, this wind benefit, and even the rainy conditions, who does that benefit? It benefits a guy from Dallas that knows how to handle those conditions. I like Jordan Speed this week, and I think it's a pretty safe bet that he's going to play well this week at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. I think I had my mic against him because you said Jordan Speed. I said a few choice words that may have had to been cut out because you saw the words out right in my mouth. It's going to be my one. I think, I think he's going to win the tournament. So Woody, at the end of the day, there's not a chance in hell that he wins. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, there's no cut. So they're all good. So uh, here you yeah. go, guys. And once again, so I'm not a one and done guy, but I like, I've got to be honest with you. You know, I liked your picks last week and they, they didn't play very well. Okay. Welcome to golf. Okay. So I like him. I, I, you know what? I don't have much to add to that. But before we leave our show today, I had something I had to ask you guys about. And I want your all professional opinion about this. What's that? Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Do you all even give a crap who's playing? Because I know you're a Philadelphia Eagle fan, Sam. So yeah, I, but I, I went agree. to school. But I went to school in Kansas City. Of course, I want Patrick okay. Mahomes and Travis Kelsey to win the Super Bowl. Okay, T-Dub, what about you? I hopefully will get to maybe get some squares going, maybe have a potential to make a little money. But who actually wins Woody? I couldn't care about. Okay, well, you know, that's kind of, I hate to tell you guys, that's kind of the way I am. I'm not a big pro football guy. Um, but the reason why, Sam, I'm sorry, the reason why I want San Francisco to win, I am so sick of Taylor Swift and Patrick Mahomes' wife, and Patrick Mahomes' brother. I could give one rat's ass about any one of those. They have never done anything football-wise. Now, Taylor might be a pretty good entertainer. I don't like her either, to be honest with you, because she's so woke and left, and you know how I am, boys. I'm not one of those guys. So I'm, I'm, I am so out on Kansas City. I hope San Francisco annihilates. I hope they just kill them. It's Sorry, pretty ironic. Man. It's pretty ironic, Woody, <laughs> that you're rooting for San Francisco because Kansas City is too far left. Well, I not don't get me wrong. Now, don't get me wrong. The only reason why I want San Francisco <laughs> is because of Brock Purdy. I like Brock. He was everybody said he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. I hate San Francisco. I well. That's a big word, hate. I don't I don't hate San Francisco. In fact, some of the best golf courses I've ever played are I mean, in San Francisco. Pebble's not too far away. 
I know. That's what I was getting ready to say. I told you guys. I told T- Taylor while we were on break. I said, you know what? The saddest thing is, is how many great golf courses there are in California. I wish they were in Oklahoma where the people were nice. <laughs> I I can't even go to California anymore. To, I get invited every year to go play in a tournament at the Olympic Club. And I don't go because I couldn't stand to stay in California, especially San Francisco, for more than five minutes. Well, what do, you, what, what do you got good news? Because if you don't want to be near San Francisco this week, you could be watching live Mayacoba in Mexico. Uh, did you ever get a chance to play that course, Woody? Now, that is one I have not played, Sam. and Maybe it should be on my bucket list. You know, let me ask you guys this, because you guys are much more up on this. Are they going to go at the same time, or is Lip Michael going to go after or before Pebble Beach? Do you guys know that? Yeah, I'm, I'm fairly sure just because you think with California, maybe they go a little bit later, but the sunset sits fairly early this time of the year, so I don't look for that. So, yeah, I expect them both to be going on at the same time. Thursday, obviously, you'll just have the PGA Tour, but Friday, Saturday, Sunday, yeah, what do you think you'll have two elite partners going on at the same time? Like I was saying earlier, it's going to be great golf viewership. No doubt. Definitely going to need the two TV set up for this weekend with Live Golf Mayakoba and obviously the signature event at Pebble Beach. The defending champion for Live Golf Mayakoba is our friend of the show, Charles Howe III, who is still playing for Team Crushers on Bryson's team. And that team is the exact same as it was last year. DeShambo, Honorbon Lahiri, Paul Casey, and Charles Howe III. We did have a few changes, not only with Rom with his new Legion 13 team, we also had a few changes as far as like Dustin Johnson's team, the four aces. You got DJ, Pat Perez, and Patrick Reed that you had on the four aces last year, but they take Harold Varner from the Range Goats. Speaking of the Range Goats, our man Taylor Gooch has left Bubba's team, the Range Goats, and gone to play with Brooks Kepka's team, Team Smash. So now we're officially a Team Smash podcast. I'm wearing a Team Smash hat right now. But Team Smash is Brooks Kepka, Taylor Gooch, Jason Kokrak, and Graham McDowell. So those are the guys we'll be looking to root for this year. You got, speaking of the Range Goats, you got Bubba Watson, Thomas Peters, Matthew Wolf, and Peter Uline. So the Range Goats are still very formidable as well. Um, Legion 13, like we mentioned, John Rahm's new team, Tyrrell Hatton, Kieran Vincent, and Caleb Surratt, who we mentioned earlier. You also have a couple more Asian Tour qualifiers, for instance, on the Ironheads. Juni Cairo Kazuma, I assume is how you pronounce his name, along with Danny Lee, Scott Vincent, and Kevin Na. But then the Fireballs, they did have a trade as well. They now have Sergio Garcia, Abe Anser, Eugenio Lopez, Chikara, and David Pooge. And David Pooge went from Team Torquay to the Fireballs. They traded Pooge for Carlos Ortiz. So now Team Torquay, who was on fire at the end of last year, have Neiman, Munoz, Pereira, and Ortiz. That might be your best team as far as guys that have been playing well recently as well. T-Dub, any thoughts on some of these new teams? Also, people care about Team Ripper as well. Cam Smith, Matt Jones, Mark Leishman, and Lucas Herbert is one of the new guys on Live this year as well. Any thoughts on the new look teams on Live for 2024? 
I do think overall the teams, with just the additions that they've had, are top to bottom a lot better than they were last year for sure. And just with the, the changes that you see, I think you've seen a power dynamic. For example, Smash, they traded for Taylor Gooch and Graham McDowell. They swapped out, so they switched them out for Matthew Wolf and Chase Kepka, who's no longer playing. So I think that's two. But Graham McDowell's definitely past his prime, but I think he is an upgrade over Chase Kepka. And then Taylor Gooch, obviously the live player of the year, uh, the best acquisition that you could have probably possibly had for the offseason when it comes to players that were on live. So that was very good to see. Harold Varner now in the four aces, I think, makes them a lot better. Now Team Torque, I think, got better replacing David Pooge with Carlos Ortiz, and they were a team who won, I believe, four times last year. So I look for them to be fairly, fairly solid. Uh, Adrian Moronk, a new player, is he's now on the cliques with Martin Keimer's team, Richard Bland, who played some really good golf last year. And then uh, another name that I'm not going to try to pronounce. And then Rip Team Ripper, they replaced Jediah Morgan with Lucas Herbert. Lucas Herbert's a lot better player than Jediah Morgan is. So maybe look for Team Ripper to have a little bit better year than he did last year, Woody. So, yeah, I think it's a fairly unique concept. or not. It's something that I find intriguing to have the teams change throughout the, uh, throughout the offseason and just to see how it turns out because I, I think it's something cool to follow, and I think it does change the teams that were good last year. For example, the Range Goats were always up there because TG was playing so well. I do not expect the Range Goats to be as good as they were last year. I think they had a little bit of a downgrade, especially losing Harold Varner the third. Matthew Will, Peter, you line tremendous players, but I just think the caliber that they lost, Woody, was a, a good amount than what they uh, acquired, for sure. And, and Woody, the teams, was- the teams that have not changed are Crushers, as I mentioned, the Majestics, which is Ian Poulter, Lee Westwood, Henrik Stenson, and Sam Horsfield, and then Stinger, who won in Tulsa, the South African team, Louis Eustace and Burmester, Grace, and Schwartzel. Those are the three teams that didn't have any change. The ones I want to look at, guys, is the ones that are most important to us. Is I want to see how Taylor mixes with Kepka and how that works out for him. I want to see if Bubba's little project, uh, and I think Bubba was smart when he got Matthew to get Uline with him. They're both Oklahoma State guys. They get along well. I think that's going to be really big because I still – I think Matthew Wolf is still one of the most talented players I've ever seen in my life. He is – he's uncanny the way he can hit a golf ball. So, if – I want to see how that project works. Bubba said he's going to take him under his arm because Bubba said he's fought a lot of mental issues and done a lot of things, same thing that Matthew Wolf has. So, that's a feel-good story to me that I want to watch. I, I think that's going to be the one that really goes – to the top of my list to watch besides how Taylor ends up mixing in with his new group. The other one is the four aces. There's a lot going on with that. Harold Varner is a great addition. Pat Perez is going through, going to be an ugly divorce. Trust me, guys, because that crazy wife of his, it's, uh, that's going to be ugly. So how that affects his golf, I don't know. Pat might be good enough to go through a messy divorce and it not even phasing. Most people struggle with it, okay? So those are the question marks for me. Um, you know, like everything with live, it took a while for the year to get going so we could get a feel for this. To pick a winner at Mayakopa Individual and to pick a team, uh, this is another crapshoot, guys. I, I, I can't wait to hear who you all think. Yeah, this is about as close as you can get to throwing a dart at a dartboard considering these guys have come off the extended offseason that they get when they're on live. Real quick, I don't ever really 
criticize Liv very often, T-Dub, but I'm going to have to criticize him in this aspect, and I'm sure we'll get Taylor Gooch on eventually to talk about this, but if they really want these trades to be as popular as they are, for instance, in the NBA free agency, right, or NBA offseason or NBA trade deadline coming up right now, that's very popular. The trades, who's going to play on what team? But the trades have to make sense. You can't be trading the best player on live last year for Matthew Wolf straight up. Like, was Bubba's team compensated as well as getting Matthew Wolf? Like, it has to it has to make sense if they're wanting the free agency trade aspect to be popular in golf if they're keeping the team format going forward. I do think that's a valid point, Sam, because you saw the, the trade when it happened, and I'm like, wait, wait, what? There has to be something else coming. Like, if we're doing an, an equal trade, there's there's no way that the guy that was just lit player of the year should be the traded Matthew Wolf, who didn't have his best year by any stretch. So, yeah, no, there was it was a little bit of a shock whenever you saw it, and then you think, well, maybe they'll announce there was a little bit of, you know, compensation other involved, and then you don't hear about it. So if there was, at least make that public knowledge. I think that is something that would be interesting because you could say, well, how much better do you think this player was than this one from a, a monetary perspective? I would add another bit of layer to it. So, yeah, I agree with you, Sam. I think that will be interesting. And then, Woody, to your point about trying to prognosticate a winner in this deal, a lot of these guys haven't played in a while. It's going to be – it makes it even harder to think about what did they do in the offseason. We have traditionally someone like Charles Howell III who won last year. He was notorious – for playing extremely good at the Sony Open. So you had to think that he was at least putting in the work that he needed in the offseason to come out fresh and ready to roll when the season began. So you have to, if you know a little bit, of, if you know some of these players, that definitely helps because then you could think, well, what were they doing? Were they actually working? Someone like Bryson, I guarantee you, he's been putting in the work. At least when I saw from Cedar Ridge, that dude is wanting to win a tournament. So maybe look for guys, Woody, that you think that, actually practice in the offseason and maybe avoid guys that you think, maybe like a Cam Smith, who are more prone to have a few beverages when the time comes. Yeah, that's a great point there because that's what you got to look at is who would possibly be practicing. Well, that's the guys in Florida got a better chance than Taylor does. If Taylor Gooch has been practicing, he's been indoors or he's gone to California or Florida so or Arizona. And TG but, just had a baby as well. Congratulations well, on the baby boy, by the way, publicly. Didn't know that, so congratulations to him. And and Sam, to argue a little bit on the other side of your point, when yes, when you look at other sports, the problem is with golf. It is so difficult because we all know how much talent Matthew Wolf has when his head's right. I mean, the guy almost won a U.S. Open. He did win once on the PGA Tour. Right. He has unbelievable amounts of talent and golf is so much different than other sports taylor had a rocking year last year do i expect taylor to come out and win three more times this year and dominate the way he did well if he does great but that's hard to do so trades in golf because we've never seen it guys this is the first time we've ever thought about it I'm like you two, though. When I looked at that, when that came out, I went, yeah, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. What the heck? But we might all be surprised. Like I said, that's that project I want to watch. Does Bubba have the ability to 
to get Matthew Wolf back to where we know Matthew Wolf can do. Well, well, we just have to see. Would I have made that trade? No, but I'm not Bubba, and I'm not Brooks Kepka. I, I, I didn't get involved in it. So I, I think there is a little bit of a little bit of an asterisk we got to put out to the side because golf's so much different than any other sport. No, I hear you on that. And then as far as the winner for the golf tournament for me this week, I got to look at guys that drive the ball extremely straight. Last year, don't you guys remember in that final round when Peter Uline was, I think he had the lead at the time, and he was battling Charles Howell third, and Peter Uline hits one into the dense trees in there at, at Mayakoba, and all of a sudden Charles Howell just waltzes to a victory down the stretch. You have to keep the ball in the fairway at a place like this, and I'm going to pick a guy that I have seen in recent months put up a number next to his name in a competitive event. So to me, guys, I am going with Joaquin Neiman to win this golf tournament, and the reason being is because he was up there near the top of the leaderboard in Dubai a couple weeks ago. I know he's been playing a bunch of competitive golf and he's not necessarily some bomber that's, you know, wayward off the tee. I think he's going to keep it in play and, uh, you know, put Team Torquay on the map. And look what they did at the second half of last year. Team Torquay was really, really impressive. Again, if you missed that team earlier, Neiman, Munoz, Mito Pereira, who got electrocuted on the 18T at Southern Hills, and Carlos Ortiz. So that is a very formidable team, and I think that Joaquin Neiman is going to win this golf tournament individually, T-Dub, and I'll pick Team Torque as the team. Well, not going to lie, I was going to go with Joaquin Neiman to win as well, but the fact that we both picked Spieth as well to win Pebble Beach, I'm going to have to go ahead and steer away from Joaquin Neiman for the sake of everyone involved here, because I love what I see, but played some uh, great golf last 25 starts. He finished fourth in Dubai. He finished uh, in December. He won down the Australian Open and then finished fifth at the Australian PGA. So I've been playing some good golf. Maybe Joaquin's the type to, you know, have a little bit uh, of fun in the offseason. But at the same time, he's shown that he's playing some good golf. So I do like that thing. I think the course fit is really well. I like the, the two new guys who are both analytically the, the two favorites. John Rahm being the a big favorite with a 10% chance to win. Throw Hatton, second favorite. But Terrell Haddon's played, he's already played three times this year. He played the Century, played the Sony Open, and then he played in Dubai. He finished 14th, 13th, and 31st, respectively. Dubai, when he finished 31st, he's probably has, was in talks for all this stuff. So his game and mind were probably elsewhere. So I think had one of the better, most accurate players in the game, at least, I think that he will stand a solid chance Woody of playing there. Well, so go ahead and give me, uh, give me Terrell Hatton. I thought about going with Rom. Go ahead and give me Hatton. I think that he'll come out and play solid and on a good horse fit. So then, because I like Rahm and Hatton, give me the new team as well. Give me Legion 13 in their very first start to win the very first event. Even though I am a little bit worried about those two amateurs, or the the Surratt who just turned pro, I guess, in this case. And then the Vincent kid. It'll be interesting to see how that turns out. But go ahead and give me Legion 13 to come out and get a win the first start. I think that would be a unique storyline. Woody, what are your thoughts on Rahm this week in his first live event? Well, see, this is the tough thing coming third. I loved Joaquin Neiman's pick. I loved it. Uh, and then Taylor said I wanted him too. And I was thinking about him because he hasn't won out there yet. And I think he wants to show that he's every bit as good as everybody else. So uh, Legion 13 with Rom 
was a big part of it. And then when he took Terrell Hatton from me, now you guys took both my guys. So I'm going to go with Rom. I am going to go with Rom. And so now I got to figure out, though, I got to go with your team, Sam, because I think they're the strongest team. I don't like us all to pick the same thing. I'm going to go Rom individually. But I love Rom this week. I think Rom will want to make a statement this week. I, I hope he hasn't just gotten fat and happy with all this money. I think he's going to want to come out and say, PGA Tour, do you miss me yet? Because I think that's going to happen. What's cool about Liv, with each, each year we've watched this now, you're getting more and more guys. This, this is getting really what I call very competitive. For a while there, we had 15 guys we talked about. Well, we we're, we just keep building. Even the Lucas Herbert that just came on with Cam Smith's team, this guy can play, guys. He won a PGA event. So I think what you're seeing with the Terrell Hattons, the John Rum, all these different guys and Lucas Herbert that you're bringing in, we've got just it seems like a few more and a few more and a few more. This is going to get really, really, really combat- competitive, I think. And we still got Brooks Kepka. We still got Bryson DeChambeau. We've still got the guys that they got early still wanting to play some golf, man. So, uh, whereas I don't have two TVs, I might just have to have my iPad out and watch it that way this weekend. I look forward to both these golf tournaments. I think we're going to finally have a big weekend of golf that's really good. And then I just hope, like I said earlier, that Kansas City gets the shit beat out of them, pardon my French, <laughs> and that we don't have to watch Taylor Swift and What's-Her-Face up there all weekend long or all the old game. Well, Personally, the good news guys, for you is the, the flag football Pro Bowl is this weekend. The Super Bowl is not till next weekend. Oh, is it really good? See, I told you how much I give a crap, okay? (laughs) I won't even watch it. I swear to you, I won't even watch it. I used to want to watch the commercials, but they're even more. They're no good now. So, (laughs) you know what? I mean, and all the football fans out there and all the jocks and everybody, don't hate on Woody because he's not going to watch the Super Bowl, okay? I'd rather watch the Shawshank Redemption for the – 56th time than watch the Super Bowl. I could care especially because of what I've just mentioned earlier in our podcast. I really don't care about all the other people. I think with just the football game, fine. I don't want to see all those other yahoos. I could care less. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, that is Jim Woodward from Oak Tree National. The last thing I will mention to T-Dub that we haven't mentioned yet Abraham Answer is going to be the lead star this week in Mexico, going back to Mexico. He had huge crowds last year at Mayakoba. He'll have huge crowds again. Got to mention him, Boomer, sooner. And then, like I said, no one picked the Crushers, who have Bryson DeChambeau, and then obviously the defending champion, Charles Howell III. And this might be a historic moment, fellas. I think it's the first time in history of us picking live events that none of the three of us picked the four aces so maybe the four aces and dj's team come out and prove something at live mayakoba i guess we will see 
Everyone needs to enjoy the golf this weekend. We got plenty of golf this weekend with the AT&T, Pebble Beach, Pro-Am, and Live Mayakoba. And then all of the news in the game of golf is just absolutely ridiculous. We will be back next week to cover it all. Thank you, T-Dub. Thank you, Woody. This has been Sam Humphreys on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. As I said before the break, please go hit that follow button on Apple. It's absolutely free, and it just helps us out and it will give you a notification whenever we drop a new episode. And you can also listen to us on the Sports Animal app. Like I said, back next week with your recaps of the signature event and live. Everyone have a great weekend.